Coming at you with another episode of Talk About That. I'm John. This is Johnny. Hey. And we could not be more excited yet again. Somehow, last time I thought I was the most excited I could be, but now... We dialed it up a notch. somehow managed to surpass that, to eclipse that, to move forward beyond where we were. I feel like my act is low energy, and uh, it feels phony to me to have high energy. <laughs> In, even in real life. Like when I see somebody who's like, hey, I'm like, what's up with this dude? Yeah. But I know there are people who are just super excited and they're... Yeah, they're called just, extroverts, I think. Well, not just that. I don't. I just mean like high energy people, not just people who recharge around other people. Like you ever been to a restaurant with Mike Burnett? Yeah. Like Mike Burnett, who's been a guest on the show, by the way, you can go back into our archives, listener, if you'd like to listen. He's a, he's a pastor of the fastest growing church in America, kind of thing. And so, give or take, give, give or take, you know. And so, but he's no big deal. But like, he's been my friend for years and years, and he is so excited to be around people. Like yeah. You say that thing you don't trust that. Like, we go into a restaurant, and a, I don't trust a, it in myself, maybe. Right, but, was, it, but it's so foreign to it me. It feels like I'm coming off phony. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe you're just not being true to yourself. Like, that's the first thing every comedian says, though, when they go on stage. Like, so good to be here. Yeah. So excited to be here. So maybe that's the deal is, like, it becomes like a line in your show, so it feels not genuine, maybe. Well, I I mean, salutations are just politeness. You know, you have to do something to greet people. You can't just be like, so. I mean, Now, that's cool. I like that sometimes when somebody comes out and is like, so I'm at the DMV. They just get into it. (laughs) Go straight to it. They don't have to do the whole, like, how's everybody doing? Because the thing is, when you do it, like I did a conference yesterday, every speaker before you has asked, how's everybody doing? Right. So isn't that not, though, the speaker? It just feels like a filler. But that speaker is trying to connect themselves with those people, even though the people are not not answering honestly. It's like you're double-checking, like, I know you were doing okay an hour ago, but (laughs) how are we doing now? (laughs) Still good? Still good? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about yesterday, you know, I had a four-minute interview on a television show yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking because I, I, I was your thinking, TV debut. Do you have? Do you know what? What's what was the? Uh, is it NBC, ABC? What is it? Local. It's, it's NBC. So now you can put NBC on can your I? website <laughs> if you want to be really cheesy. <laughs> no, I've known a lot that. of comics that do that. They'll be like on a local NBC uh, affiliate, and they'll be like NBC. You're like that guy had an NBC show. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I wouldn't. No, it was the the Today in Nashville show. So that's a terrible. Is, we need to rename that. Well, the Today terrible. Show comes on right before it, right. from like whatever four a.m. until ten. Is it something. that long of a show today? Well, it doesn't you know those morning shows? The national, the national morning shows start very early because it's the it's the working people. Is today up. is the Today Show the national one? The one with Willard Scott? So and so is one hundred and twelve years old today. Oh, is he? Is that Good Morning America or Today? I can't remember. <sighs> Who has uh, the guy that lost all the weight? The the, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we could desperately use some help right now, which is a live show. Callers, we're going to you right now. <laughs> I forget his name. I'm sorry. Uh, Al Roker. Yes. Yeah. Al. He lost all the weight. Is that today or is that Good Morning America too? You think you think I remember what show he's on? I couldn't remember his name. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like I think well, he started ex- with just weather, right? Al Roker, and then he's well, yeah, like, he became here's what's more. happening. In you. I know that's what yeah, I'm saying. That's what's great. More. That shows that we can all guys. Grow. And you know, you can become more too. No matter where you start, maybe you're just out there right now, Johnny. Or you might become less. Let's be honest. Some people. Aren't <laughs> you should cut be out. grateful for what you have because yeah. it's already a big deal. Yeah. No, but I was thinking about that. Like, I wonder how they're gonna, how they're gonna 
that I, I, I don't know why I want to be the guy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for, I'm so glad to, you know, like I don't want to be that guy because you only have four minutes in the interview. That's your thing. Hello, everyone. Thanks for, I'm so glad. That was your <laughs> intro. <laughs> Those are all with ellipses. I'm having a stroke, everybody. <laughs> I can't finish a sentence. <laughs> no, those were meant to be all the beginnings of possible, right. yeah. very generic salutations. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you need to open your sermon. Hello, everyone. Thanks for, I'm so glad. Turn in your, anyway. I can't breathe. <clears throat> Anywho, they actually came in laughing into the into the sketch was it like the fake laugh no no so they were awesome like they were oh, that's good they were great and they had a guest oh johnny i might as well go look him up because if i don't have his name then mm-hmm. and, and was it al roker he was from nsync he no was one way. of the founding members of nsync and he lives in nashville let's see if you already know who would it be johnny hang on a second it's not lance bass it's not. Uh, you got Justin. You got Lance. You got. I'm getting uh, new kids in the mix now. I'm thinking Danny, Donnie. I have the answer. Jonathan, if you uh, give it to me. Chris Kirkpatrick. Yeah, I know him. Okay. Yeah, his so, spiky hair. He looked a little like you back in the day. Yeah, he yeah. had a little. He's yeah. like he's like a better looking me mm. and more successful. John, don't beat yourself oh, up. Oh goodness! Don't beat my buddy John up. I like him a lot. So he was like a surprise guest for them, and he yeah. co-hosted the whole show with them. Oh, that's so. Cool. I think he comes on periodically, and so uh, and he was funny, and and they did the cooking segment. So I, and I took Sadie with me. So we go to the to the NBC studios in Nashville. We. Uh, are in the green room. There's several different music acts that are going on uh-huh. you know, that day. Hang out. Met some really cool people. And then this executive chef somewhere from a restaurant in Nashville is cooking pork belly. And, yeah. I mean, they're on the set. We're right next to the set. It's not like it's in separate rooms. In fact, they tell you, you have to be quiet in there because it's, it's open air. Yeah. And literally, it smells so good. And Sadie, I can tell, really wants some of that food. So then I go on. I had to do a couple teasers, which is like uh, – you know, where they, okay, in a minute, we're going to have the, and they literally, you're just waving at the camera. It's very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Coming up, this author is going to, you know, you're like, yeah. hi, you know, but everybody had to do it. Not just in five minutes, 12 items that are under your sink that could kill you. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> so, but they, so by the time they got to me, but I, what, these people were great. They laughed and were light and to your point about. Hey, I'm happy to be here. They were happy the entire time, even off camera. That's good. They never stopped. In fact, it well, was, that's cool. They found the thing there they yeah, love to do. I guess. It was as if the camera. They just decided to stay there and then occasionally turn the camera on. So that was kind of how they did it. You know. Okay. They were great. So, but uh, so they kind of came in laughing. Said she was like, "Stay indoors." That was her opening line. It's dangerous out there, and they were kind of all giggling. Oh, you know? Okay, it's good. We have a guest today. Who this and that. And by the way, you saw. I sent you a picture. Yes. What they called me. We have author and comedian, John Driver here. I was like, man, they really, what I'm going to do, correct it? I can't correct it, Johnny. I now have to be a comedian. Mm -hmm. It's the only option. So, because I'm not. You did it. I'm not right now. But it's on TV. They said it on TV. If it's it's on TV, it has to be true. That's right. Yeah. TV don't lie. It don't. It raised me. (laughs) (laughs) It would never let me down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was, That's cool though, so it was a good experience. It was good. And afterwards, uh the stage manager I was like, Hey you did a great I think it went well. 
Yeah. You know, and I was actually kind of nervous. I, I rehearsed some things in the car, over, car ride over, had Sadie ask me questions and yeah. want to make sure I had a couple of things, but it was really quick. Like I had a bunch of other things I could have said and quick in and out, but they used images from the book. So that really, really helped. Oh, that's you know? good. Yeah. So they put the troubleshooting up there and they put the breaking through a firewall and all the little gags, you know, so that, yeah. that allowed the book to shine a little bit and uh, it was great. Dude, you're off for the races. Oh man, my phone's been ringing off the hook. Has it's it? Telemarketers. Oh right. Yeah, but anyway, unrelated to yesterday. But <laughs> but the best part was we get done. Stage manager's like, "Hey, great job!" You know, and I'm giving back the mic and everything. And Sadie goes, she's standing there with me to the stage manager. She goes, "Man, that that pork sure smelled good." <laughs> she goes, "What? Excuse me?" She goes, "Nothing, nothing." Pork. <laughs> the food really smelled. She was like, "Well, I can go get you some of the food that they cooked on site." And she yeah. was. No, 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 that's okay. She goes, no, no, you stay right here, honey. And she went and got us the yeah. pork belly that the guy in Nashville had cooked and, brought, right. and warmed it up and brought us plates. They were so nice. Wow. And it made Sadie's, like, decade. Yeah. So she ate the food that was being She's cooked on television. Yeah, yeah. And we got in the car and ate it, and, and it was great. So that was that was a real fun experience. That's cool. Yeah. That's fun. You get a little spoiled back there. You get a little treated, right? I did this thing yesterday. At a church, it was a last minute thing. Yeah, you you got like a day's notice for this, right? Yeah, not even that. I it was uh, I got a call or a message from my agent. They don't call him Minuteman Johnny for nothing. That's right. The, they that's right. I'm the British are coming, and so <laughs> they so I'm I'm, I'm uh, in uh, probably two p.m. I get a message from my agent who is on the DC Talk cruise right now. Oh gosh. So he's messaging me from there, and he's like, I'll have in and out of Wi-Fi. So he told me, like, Monday, I'm going to be gone all week. So just breach, you know, use the assistant, whatever. Okay, cool. And then he starts messaging me, hey, can you go to Bradenton, Florida? Uh, I go. Is that near Miami? It's near uh, Tampa. Tampa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Near Sarasota. So I was like, uh, what? She goes, he goes, Dustin's really sick. Uh, and my buddy, Dustin Nickerson, who you know. So he had this thing, and he goes, it's for, he said young adults, but he's, that's such a, and I wonder if he was lying purposefully, or he really thought it was young adults, but it wasn't. It was 6th through 12th graders. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not young adults. No. As you know, as a former youth pastor, that is not, no. there's not an adult in the mix, no. actually. No. So, uh, <laughs> young or old. So, I was like, oh, sure. And then I go, y'all could do it, because luckily I'm home. And then I realized it's a day session for yesterday so two days ago i'm like i need to book a flight tonight and of course it's gonna be a billion dollars i go can they are they gonna cover my trip he goes we're vet they're vetting you they want to make sure that you know, whatever and then they call back you know like 20 so he's getting in and out of he's on the boat so he's in and out of service wow. and then finally he was just like hey they're good with you doing it this is what it is and i didn't have any details other than like book a flight and wow. get a hotel and a car and then here's the church. And it was this conference called 12 Conference. Evidently, it's one of the largest churches in Florida. So they have seven campuses going on eight now with like 25,000 people in Jeez. their church. So they do this youth conference every year called 12. And it's at one of their churches called Bay. I think it's Bay Hills, Bayside. I don't know. Anyway, Bay something. <laughs> you but were, there, like, you were like, there yesterday. Like Lecrae was a speaker the day before me and, wow. and performed. Wow. Uh, it was pretty cool. So I didn't get to meet him. Um so yeah, they. But anyway, to your point about the, you were talking about the green room. So we get there, and it's like a mega church, mega church. So they're like really big on hospitality, and come back here, and they got all this food, and and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. But they had a table that that made me laugh so hard because I was on staff here at this church, 
And you know, staff table is important, I guess. But it was a completely round table in this green room. Above it was a chandelier that was a neon, not neon, but it was like a, a halogen, the Trinity triangle symbol, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was that, like the interloping wow. triangles of the Trinity. And I was like, oh, did you just, what'd you, where'd you find that? Like, I was just clear that they had it custom made. But the table was wood and it had a center that was round that was an offset piece. So it just kind of fit perfectly in there. And that center spun around. It was like a it was like a six foot wide center to this table. Yeah, that's called that a spun uh, around like a lazy Susan. Lazy Susan. Well, lazy Susan's a cabinet though. Right, but there's a name for it on a table. I don't know, but it it blew my mind. I was like, what? I said, this is why small churches hate you. Do you understand me? <laughs> and I was just we were laughing about it. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, they're just sitting around thinking they got a table worth more than our sanctuary yeah, or whatever. But they were so sweet, and the conference went well. I couldn't believe it. Twenty five hundred students. So you think you reached the younger generation well? I think... Uh, you kids listening to I your Guns N' Roses? <laughs> it's God and Moses. It's not Guns and... Anyway, I think uh, I should have put more Just for Men in my goatee before I left the house. <laughs> no, it was actually really good. Um, yeah, they gave me a stand ovation. Wow. Yeah, you know, which is... That's tough to get from kids. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty cool. It was in the middle of the day. It was after... It was the first session after lunch. Wow, that's still, that's so a hard. So it's like, yeah, yeah, completely degree of difficulty. But so I was really satisfied with that. And uh, and I'm not saying it was all me. I mean, it was just one of those things. It was a cool thing. And the kids were really ready. But the guy coming out to introduce me, to your point about introductions, he comes out and he's just like, everybody have a good lunch. And he's and, and what I realize now, in a club, if you have somebody opening for you, yeah. you would never want them to get the crowd talking. Right. Because they've learned, like, I'm part of the show. Uh-huh. But that's just something in churches you just have to deal with. Turn to your neighbor. And- yeah, that's some, you, they're, they want. They feel like they're part of things because yeah. they're shouting things back. Some churches do liturgy, and they literally do call and respond. Yeah. But this guy's like, where did everybody go? Where are my McDonald's people at? <sighs> Who went to Buffalo? <sighs> He's naming like 10 restaurants. What about Chick-fil-A? <laughs> and then it's like an explosion <laughs> when he says Chick-fil-A. You know? And I was like, okay, we get it. You're saved. So... And then he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I want to, and he didn't say, like, this is a replacement guy. I don't know if they knew who Dustin was either. We couldn't get the guy we wanted, so here's this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that before, and that's a weird thing. One time I did a fill-in for Michael Jr. They'd sold tickets. He did radio ads. He did radio call-in interviews for four weeks leading up to the show. It was in Canada, small town in Canada. And then he, he, I get a message from his uh, agent, like, three days before. uh, This was four or five years ago. Hey, can you go to Canada tomorrow? Or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. So I go to Canada. And so literally when I walked out, before I walked out, Michael had a video. So he's like, hey, what's up, Red Deer? Because that was the name of the town. What's up, Red Deer? Michael Jr. here. And that's the thing. I'm here. I'm not there. And he did this whole like, he's at his fireplace. I had a family emergency. I can't make it. But you're going to love my buddy Johnny W. He's so funny. Ladies and gentlemen. And he introduced me with that video. So I walk out. To the most disappointed. <laughs> they were the most disappointed. They've bought a ticket with Michael Jr.'s face on it. They've come and bought the ticket because of his his material. It's like, hey, we bait and switched you. And uh, so that was a little bit, that was a little tricky. If you like you had Giorgio, to win over it. Yeah, it really was. You'll love, love, what was the? Armani, is that the other one? Primo. Primo. That was what my mom used. Is it? Because she like, because, yeah, of course, we're not, you know. She had to, she bought the imposters, designer imposters. They still make those designer imposter perfumes? I don't know. 
I don't know, but imposters a strong word. That's what to they use. were called, designer imposters. I mean, imposters like. Yeah, it's, it's insidious. Those, those fighting words, yeah. It's like, more insidious. Like you, you're, you know how many fights broke out at you're, Sears? You're switching out a Rembrandt for a fake one. I'm like, okay, let's settle Imposter. down here. Well, well, I'm glad you, uh, I mean, you're always going to do well, man. Where no, I wasn't saying that to like brag on myself. It Listen, was just, I was so relieved it was a good experience because you had everything going into it. Like late, I, I got there late that night. I got to my hotel at 2 a.m. Grabbed, grabbed a few uh, hours of sleep, get up, go to the event. It was like, I'm on stage. And um, so, yeah, for it to go well was like above and beyond cool. Yeah. And, um, Dustin hopefully is feeling better because we're doing, I'm doing shows with Dustin this weekend yeah. in Milwaukee. So I was like, dude, you good? He's like, yeah, I had terrible flu, and but uh, we're coming. I'm hopefully I'm coming out the other side of it. And, um, yeah, so we have shows in Milwaukee on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I couldn't imagine is traveling as much as you do and the anxiety about possible sickness. Cause I get sick a couple times a year. Yeah, usually. me too. Yeah. And man, if you, and I still have to speak sometimes or sing, you, you know, push through, through it, bro. you know, every once in a while, if I'm really bad, like if my throat closes up or something, I'll tag out. But, um, yeah, I couldn't imagine like if that's, I mean, it is what I do for a living and everything, but I have other people on staff or, you know, it's not like, it's not necessary that I'm the guy who does it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can get through You can get through a sore throat. You can get through a cough sometimes if you just like stifle it. Um, sometimes the adrenaline of performing yeah. takes care of some of that for you. You know, like I've had to pee real bad one time on stage, but it's like you just go up there and do your hour and you don't, it's like it, it's like it shuts down for you. <laughs> it fuels you. Cause you know, you can't like you put it out of your mind. Like I can't walk off stage. Right. Um, but, yeah, but if you're throwing up or whatever, there's no. No. There's no getting through that. Hold yeah. on, everybody. <laughs> They're like, this guy's weird. Well, what a weird act. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's awesome, man. Um, I told you, I was telling you before we started, um, that I've started a practice now. Uh, not uh, like a medical practice. Oh, okay. That's no, what I'm no, sorry. No, I've been clearly not qualified. Um but on the cruise, you know, you don't really have I – mean, there was a there was a television in the room, and it had like a couple channels that said he might watch. You know, we rented um, one. I did – I actually wanted to ask you this. Have you watched the new Mary Poppins? No. Speaking of. I don't know the old Mary Poppins, though. How do you like that? You, you know what? I never was a Mary Poppins person. Right. Per se. Well, there were some Disney movies that felt like uh, more geared towards girls, you know? Yeah. So when you're a kid, some of that stuff was more important now. Less, less important now yeah. than it was then of like – Okay, my my son likes Mary Poppins. What do I do? Like, that's not a big deal now. Well, like Frozen. Tons of boys yeah, yeah. love Frozen because, right. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of... Whatever. Yeah, it's for everybody. You know, yeah. But, well, number one, two movies. One is Saving Saving Mr. Banks. Okay. Have you watched? Which is about Mary Poppins, right? It's about P.L. Travers, who was the author, the British female author of Mary Poppins. And yeah. It's the, it's the based on the true story of how it got made into of Disney Walt film. Disney. Right. Basically not taking no for an answer to make it into a movie. And nice. I mean, she is an obstinate, difficult, I mean, it's a true story. There's all kinds of pictures. It was Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. Yeah. And it is a fantastic movie, like fantastic. I'll movie. check it out. And it actually, um, I mean, surprisingly, Good. Yeah, that and, Tom Hanks has never made anything good, so it is surprising <laughs> that he well, would be mean, in such a. Well, but it goes back to her childhood in Australia, yeah. and I guess suppose you would say she's Australian, but she lived in London during this time period. But um, and Mr. Banks, who is the dad in Mary Poppins, uh, who's the banker and he's the one keeping the kids from fun, and he's struggling because they're going to you know lose yeah. everything. 
And so basically that's based off of her father who was a banker out in the outback they moved, but he was an alcoholic. And so like her whole childhood, he dies tragically and, and it's like a... What are you telling me the whole movie for, John? I mean... Don't spoil it. Well, I mean... What are you... I was You tell me to rent this movie. Sorry. You're like, by the way, the <laughs> dog gets hit with a shovel. <laughs> Well, surely you knew that. I mean, you don't even. You don't even either. Anyway, I know Disney's like. I'm not telling you all. Isn't Disney allegedly frozen? That's my favorite thing when he was like, "Disney's frozen." I was like, "Yeah, he is." (laughs) (laughs) Isn't he like in cryogenic storage right now? That's just a legend. You know, Roy would know. Yeah, we should ask him. Anywho, Saving (laughs) Mr. Banks, great movie. Then we watched. There's a basically Mary Poppins part two, and so again, I didn't really. I remember some of the old Mary Poppins. I know that sounds like sacrilege to a bunch of listeners. No, I'm I sure remember people, Supercalifragilistic. Yeah. And Dick Whist, Van Dyke. Whistle while you work. No, I mean, that's Jiminy Cricket. Uh, yeah. Always let your... Co- no. Uh, what else is Mary Poppins? <laughs> <laughs> she jumps down with the umbrella as her parachute. I remember she that. She flies uh, with an umbrella. Yeah. I thought she just was, was like... Jumps a, down. I thought she was just like letting it slow her down. No. So basically, it's like 15 years after the original, and yeah. they remade. And I'm telling you, they captured it. It felt like the, the, the new songs, everything, like they had literally continued yeah. the same feels Mary Poppins, which is hard to do. It's hard to go back, sure, a, in, in a period to the way things feel uh-huh. with that upbeat tempo of songs. That's a different kind of style. It was very, very good. I I endorse both of those movies as surprisingly good. Like not ones I'd pick out, but we watched them in. The cruise. We watched actually the second one in the cruise uh, room with our daughter, which is why I said this. We turn on the TV. Like I read like crazy on the cruise, yeah. and so you know, remember when we were in Panama? They told us that you get a red headlamp because white light will wake up people around you. We know all the research about blue light in your phone and it makes your brain work. But like red light, what well, if their eyes are closed? They don't see it. You know, like they don't have to see the ambient peripheral yeah. light and so i read now at night and laura reads on her kindle which has a backlit things but we're actually trying to go to sleep reading instead of just watching we watch yeah. something and then we'll i'll try to so go you to wake sleep. up with like a book underneath you well i'll put it down when i get too sleepy you know kind of thing mm. but it is a very like it's been it's, it, i think it's a better way for my brain even though i'm still taking in information you know and but plus, it's red does the red light add like an ominous tone to whatever you're reading whatever it's a comedy book i'm saying i do not like them sam i am <laughs> is it very intense now because of the red no it, it's it's just does it do you think it because i know the thing about blue light is about dopamine and it's a weird it's almost like a drug response that you're getting from your computer screen your phone screen it's yeah. like a dopamine i wonder if you're getting that from a red light i don't know on the page I don't know. It might, I don't know if it does something, but dopamine sounds like a carnival ride to me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's one of those dopamine. Like yeah. it's just a really fun. It sounds fun. It does. But I don't know. It probably should. They should have picked something different than mm-hmm. that. But anyway, that's totally. Serotonin awful. went to school with my sister. <laughs> uh, she was sweet. They loved going to the dopamine carnival. Yeah. Um, but I just I, and, and so right now I'm reading a book called. Uh, which, by the way, if you want, it's on my shelf now over here. The Friends Divided. You see it right there on the Have you read all these down. books? Be honest. No, I've not read all of them. Okay, I read a lot of them. Thank you. Some of these are just for status. Some, no, some of these are just gifts or things. Do you ever look at people's or, books? Like when you go into a pastor's office, do you ever look at the books and be like, you kind of discern his theology from Oh, absolutely. What he's yeah. like, oh boy, here and we that's, go. I've, I've actually. Per a Jabez. Okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, I see who this guy when is. Somebody got 
ordained in 1991? I actually uh, removed a lot of books recently for that very reason. Okay. You know what? I, that's a book that was on my shelf that honestly I don't want to be associated with. You know, so. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. And I love kids because when I was a youth pastor especially, kids have no pretension. That's the first question they ask. Do you want to talk about about what book that you removed? Do you want to mention (laughs) it? Do you want to say it? No, I really don't because okay. it would it would take us down a spiral. <laughs> yeah, it would take us down. A, all books are great, you guys. We love all the books. All books are not okay, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. I just I, I, they're just I don't know things. Wow. I just yeah, and I'm sure there's still some actually. I look up and go, hey, you know, leaving your own two star Amazon reviews out there. Yeah, it doesn't add anything per se. Right, but fine. anyway, but I love kids that walk in your office and that's the first question. Hey, have you read all these? Like that, I always want to know that. You know. And so only a good friend or a child, you know, would be like, hey. Dude, my buddy Carlo reads like 20 books oh, a month. Oh, so, he's so, Carlo's insane. very He reads 100 books a year Jeez. at least. That's his goal always, 100 books. But he always beats it by like 50 books. I want to be that guy. Like, it's hard for me to read when I'm writing. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm writing a manuscript now. I'm back in a manuscript yeah. deadline. But, um, but I want to anyway. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, how much time do I give to television that I could be, or, or to my phone, the phone, man, I, t- I was telling you, like, I just, <sighs> Johnny, I mean, let's just let it all out. I just, I just, like, I, I try not to check get social media. Get a flip phone, bro. Just get a slip phone. I, I really, I, th- I think I might, if it wasn't for GPS. Oh, right. That's true. But you could get a TomTom. And get TomTom. But I mean, I still, I don't know, GPS yeah. and group texts that I'm in with, like, community group leaders and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Listeners, we need a we need a, an option here. Could you get a phone? I guess you could just get a phone and not install those other apps. Yeah, I know people who have uninstalled them. Yeah, maybe and that's they're like, what I, I won't do. go through the trouble to go to Safari to get on Facebook, so that'll keep me from whatever. I, mean, I don't know. I just like I don't get they on, always end up installing Facebook back. I don't get on social media and I don't check any sports blogs before 10 a.m. Like that. That's a new thing for me. That's good. And I just you know, so if I reach my phone in the morning, I'll check my email. I'll read my Bible app. And, but it's hard. Like I'll find myself instinctively going to ble- yeah. to Bleacher Report or to well, Twitter, it, or, or like a, Twitter is like there's always opinions and and anger, and Facebook too, and politics and stuff. Uh, it's like there's an old Brian Regan bit about like who would ever want to be president. Like uh, he's like if you're president, they just they wake you up at two a.m. They're like, hey, problems. It's like poking and problems. And it's true. It's like I think yeah. that's what social media does to us. If we wake up and immediately get on it, yeah. we're like, "Oh, I didn't even know all this was going on," and I would have been totally fine not to know it. Yeah. And now I can't not know it. Yep. And now I got to just process the rest of my day knowing all this. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I'm reading a history book, but I'm also um, I'm reading. Uh, the Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard, which is one of those books. I feel a little embarrassed. I've never actually read it because you feel like you've read it because it's been quoted in every book you've ever read, you yeah. know, kind of thing. But he starts talking, he starts the book a lot talking about how basically society has made life to be an absurdity, but we don't realize it. He's like, we've boiled it all down to, you know, um, accidental this and that we use things like and i preached on this some sunday not even hadn't read the book yet but because i just started it but i preached that one of the worst theology that's ever hit the church in christianity is practice random acts of kindness yeah you know and then he added to it senseless acts of beauty there's another expression right random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauties he's like hey real beauty is never senseless yeah and kindness is never really random 
Like there's an intentional, you know, we've removed all the intention mm-hmm. from the best things that God has given us on this earth so that everything looks accidental. And I'm not getting right now into evolution and all those things. He wasn't really speaking against that. He's saying just meaning. Yeah. We've taken meaning and made it accidental. So An like, intention. Yeah. Right. Everything is absurd. It's all accidents, all happening. And so he talks about how basically the he wrote it in 97. Like the the only thing you can really do now is try to be cute try to be funny yeah. because everything seems so absurd to find meaning in. If you find meaning, meaning, then you need to laugh at it because there's no other, there's really no other like purpose because you feel stupid if you think there's a higher purpose right. to life. And so he's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, I'm not speaking it as eloquently as, as he did, but just that, that idea in life that, there is a purpose higher regardless. And he's not into Christianity yet or any of those things in it, but just that idea that my life has meaning today. And he talks about how we think of that as intellectualism to your point, but that he's like, you know, we basically find cultures where people are just getting up, going to work, living on the land or whatever. And they're incredibly happy and fulfilled and satisfied. Right. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't, you don't really know. You know, and we try to basically infect everybody with this, yeah. But basically, a postmodern mindset that, and, and some of that stuff from that disruptive witness book as well, from this imminent internal frame. Everything is about my internal judgment of it. Yeah, um, I am now the the one who has to decide if truth is true. Like it has to go through every single individual in order yeah. to be true, right. and it could be true for me and not for you. And like the weight of that, to your point. You wake up and feel like suddenly I have to decide the weight of knowledge and truth and wisdom and direction of the world, whether yeah. it be world events or other things, when at the end of the day, like it does – it not only doesn't bring you happiness, and it's not – and we consider it almost irresponsible to not do that well. I mean people I – don't, I don't watch a lot of the news, some of that, and you guys appreciate this if you're an Enneagram person. I'm an Enneagram 6. It, it just it – just, it's too much. Yeah, my brain does just too much with it. Like it goes to too many compartments and too many. Like I'm, I'm already looking at. If your child is in my house, I am already looking at every sharp corner, trying to make sure they don't yeah. run into it. I'm already looking at the rug when elderly people are in my house to make sure they don't trip over it. What I don't need to know is all the other stuff wrong with yeah. the world that I can't fix. So, I think I'm that way, but I'm also like a. I think I have a combination of like fear of missing out on what might be happening. And also, because I, I want to be in the know, and then part of me is also like, uh, I, th- I I don't know, it's like, I feel like to not know would be worse somehow. And I don't know if I've always felt that way. I don't know if the internet has built that or enhanced that in me. Yeah. But I definitely think, like, let's take uh, the border thing, uh, where we may or may not have been putting kids in cages, okay? Right. So I have Twitter friends on each side of the aisle, and there's Twitter friends who are on the left who are just like, they've been screaming about this from the rooftops forever. Yeah. Now, you can call that political and say like, oh, gosh, are we still talking about this? Yeah. Or is that the thing we should all be like alarmed about, and should it should it dominate our thoughts until it gets resolved? Like, I don't know the real answer. It's just once you know that, you can't not know it, and it's just a weird... Or were we better off just being like, yeah, I didn't read that in the paper. Like before yeah. that, it was like, did you read the paper today? No, I didn't read it. No, then you don't know about this. You know, it's like now we kind of know. 
No, that's a great trend. point. Do you ever look at the trending things on Twitter? I do. That's how people get their news now. Yep. If you see a name trending, we talked about this one time when we were talking about the Me Too movement. Like, you see a name that's a famous actor, you're like, I hope he's dead. Because if not, this is a sexual assault right, so <laughs> claim, probably. Name comes up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, that's a weird thing. And that's a new thing that we're kind of experiencing now in real wow. time of, like, when you see somebody's name famous, you're like, are they dead? Or is this a scandal? Yeah. And then when you read, it's like, he gave $12 million to whatever. You're like, thank God. You know, you're like, you're so relieved. He's still a good guy. You know what? I think it's a great point because I don't, I think to me it's becoming, because you're right. I, I'm not advocating social irresponsibility or sticking our heads in the sand and not helping, you know, or being aware or serving. I, but do, I don't know that just being on Twitter is social responsibility, though. That's wh- the thing. We're masking our, there you go. You know, like, well, I'm aware. It's like, yeah, you're just freaked out all the time, though. You're not doing anything to help the kids well, that's in the what, cages. That's what Alan yeah. Noble calls thin belief. That's the way society happens. They think because I have. Because I've seen it and because I have a visceral, actual reaction to it and because I post about it, Uh it is now my perceived belief, though I may never send a dollar, have a conversation outside. And and to your point, too, lots of people on social media, once it it leaves the feed, it does leave their mind. So the thing they thought they were most passionate about in their beliefs – once it was out outside of the the purveyance of of the social media world, right. suddenly it's it's gone out of their mind. It's out of sight, out of mind, and so it's a thinly held belief. Though you think it's something great, but all we have is thinly held beliefs in in, in much of the culture. I think for me, like the, well, in the book I'm reading now is called um, "The Soul of America" by John Meacham. He's yeah. like a Vanderbilt Pulitzer Prize historian, and he starts in 2017 in Charlottesville. You know, when during the race riots there this you yeah. know, horrible death the tricky tra- torch people this tragic death happens and he traces american history it's not the first time we've been here how we got there and right and so for me like is it news it's not a current event that i'm getting but i'm, I'm trying to take a deep dive into the issue like i'm learning i can't i can't just i can't just dismiss the politician who said the wrong thing you know although the wrong things were said i, I can't just Say well that they're bad. I, I don't. I don't want to just make enemies out of someone on a different political spectrum than me anymore. That's really not how American political thought, you know, has always worked, yeah. and certainly it's not how Christianity works. That I mean, literally, I can't endure any longer another viewpoint other than my own. And if I can't endure opposing viewpoints, I thought of this today while I was mowing. Like when we mock, um, when we mock the acquisition of knowledge. You know, like, yeah, I'm not, I don't have time for all that. I don't really want to know the whole history of it. Yeah. I don't really want to know the whole view. Well, those people are stupid. Like when we, when we dismiss then we shouldn't be surprised when we don't know anything. Yeah. Like we really have a, a, a thin level of understanding of something because the proverb says in order to learn, you must want to be taught and to it's foolishness to refuse correction or to refuse instruction. And so like. That, you know, that's just like the basics of, of learning comes from being willing to hear. But when all you hear is a, a 240 character, is that the number of characters? Or yeah, to, uh, 280. Yeah. When that's what's what I got. And I'm not dogging it. Twitter may be a great place to start. I'm, I still do that. I'm just saying, like, I want to know more. Like, I want to know. And, and I'm telling you, like, I've been reading the history of the KKK, the history of it. 
and and how Ulysses S. Grant basically used the military to put it down in in early Reconstruction America, and then how it how it resurfaced in the early twentieth century because of of a of great increase in immigration and a fear, you know, because we're coming out of war and and yeah. the world is almost at war again. We're heading towards World War One, and that fear causing the feeling among the middle the growing middle class to feel that there are someone's taking something away from me. That's mm-hmm. that that's that pseudo conservatism that rose there that's fear mongering and people and, and people who wrote books about it knowing they can mobilize the American population who are not really going to educate themselves and who feel superior to other people of other races right. and backgrounds. And that was a way to build a movement of political power. Mm-hmm. And that literally like th- there's statistics that are staggering that Somehow, like by 1910, 1915, like something like 130 congressmen are professing KKK members and like over a dozen senators. One of the American presidents, Harry S. Truman, almost joined the KKK. Like it was a thing that, you know. Was, and I go, wow, that's helpful knowledge now for me not just to decry racism or – you know, just to decry conservatism or liberalism or radicalism or reactionaryism, like whatever my ism is, I just don't want a buzzword anymore. Like I, I feel very uneducated. Yeah. I can talk a long time about it or whatever and find the big buzzwords, but I actually want to know stuff. Well, we always feel like it's never been this weird. Right. Like the country always is in a flux of, well, it's never been this weird before. Yeah. Uh, or this bad or this whatever. You know, uh, and so, yeah, sometimes that's why you have to learn from history. You'd be like, oh, wow, okay. We, we put, uh, we put Japanese people in internment camps. Yep. And like, you have to go back and look at, at some of the, the things that we made horrible mistakes of and say, how do we not do that again? How do we not let that reactionary mindset take hold? Well, and that's Meacham's whole point of that book is, and it's the phrase that Lincoln coined was that, you know, we have to find our better angels. And he talks about the better angels of American history. And basically he's tracing presidents through – his point is we have been here before. Yeah, You must – if you don't know that, then it's not just learn from history. But that's, the, that's where you where you should minimally begin. But also recognize that this is not the only reality. Like the one you're in may not be the, the, the most true to your point. It felt right. In the 40s yeah. because of fear. We literally had just been attacked and Japanese Americans were, I mean, a huge population. And so, yes, spying was happening in, in across the world from Germans and, and others. Like there was a, a, a true threat that was now real and realized, but they didn't have the perspective of, my, of what was wrong in that moment. And, you know, by the way, you know who apologized for that? Uh, later on in history, it wasn't apologized for by a U.S. president until Ronald Reagan yeah. apologized for it. 117,000 Japanese Americans were yeah. interned. And this is – oh, this is fascinating. I'm sorry. I can nerd out on you for a second because you brought that up. Did you know that, that we also had, though, a Japanese American military – U.S. Army military unit, an all-Japanese American un- military unit hmm. during World War II? who fought bravely and who died. And in one case, this is where Reagan had, had given this, this speech. There was a, a young man who fought. I believe he had a 12-hour 
like he did something I'm trying to think of exactly what it was for 12 hours he single handedly fought off the enemy to let like his unit escape yeah. and he died and his parents were in the internment camps oh my gosh so the guy I mean, the guy is literally fighting for the United States while his parents are being interned by the United Man. States and his family yeah. and so basically that that was you know Reagan's like we can't atone for this but we can we can call it what it is you know, we can say we shouldn't have done that. We apologize for that, and this is where we are. I mean, I just think that's – I think that's like the – there's that – you know, I say this – I said this Sunday. It's the same way I feel about my Christianity, and that's that I'm like a – I'm a big talker about things of the gospel and things of the Bible. But I hurt the kingdom of God when I talk about things that I'm not really experiencing for myself. Yeah. When my beliefs there are thin, when I have a church marquee belief, there's a church yeah. marquee in town right now that says, it's vacation time. Make sure you don't leave me at home, dash God. Yeah. It's just it's just theology that saying to people, hey, if you don't do your devos on vacation, you left God behind. He's not omnipresent. You right. should be afraid of losing your salvation. Yeah. You should, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, well, it's, so, it's so small. But <laughs> Did it's I tell like, you the, the Mother's Day sign up? I wish I'd taken a picture of oh, it. Oh no, it wasn't. So Mother's Day weekend comes and goes, you know, the churches are all like, whatever. They Sometimes people put up special, you know, things for moms. And this one I saw near my brother's house in Coryton, Tennessee. It says, uh, God couldn't be everywhere at once, so he made moms. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" Oh my gosh! That's you think you? I don't think you think you're saying what you think you're saying. I think you may be quoting Benjamin Franklin or something, but I don't remember. That is someone's. That's some. Well, way, that's a quote. I can't remember who it it's is. It's just, and it's terrible theology. It's horrible theology. God's like running around, like I can't do all this. <sighs> I'm gonna make moms. <laughs> wow! And that's my point. Like you know, I don't, and I'm not dogging people for having a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Like having a, and this is that that thing from Proverbs one. How long, O simpleton, will you love being simple? Like he's not. The whole point of the book is, it's okay to be simple minded. It's okay yeah. to not know stuff. It's just not okay to love it. Right? How long will you love it? How long will you proclaim something that's so thinly held that you're not actually experiencing? That even in a court of law, you know, we always use that. Like you would not be a good witness for this. Yeah. Um, in fact, I had a friend the other day who who was sharing something in a, in a recovery group and he had a Christian friend who he invited along and the Christian friend said, bro, I'm not airing my dirty laundry with people, you know, and, and, and he just, he was terrified of it. And so the guy went and, and shared and was accepted and loved and all those things. And he came back and his friend said, so how was it? He's like, I'm assuming they were like, what's wrong with you? You yeah. know, what's, he goes, it wasn't like that at all. Like, you know, I was loved and, and we're not ignoring that, that, that there's a problem and we're walking it out together. I don't feel alone. I don't feel so ashamed. I don't feel so everything the gospel calls us to. And I looked at that guy and I said, you realize you just shared the gospel. Like we don't yeah. need to give you a witnessing program. You went in, did what the gospel calls us to do. You had the courage to live in the light with God's people. They did what they were supposed to do and loved you well you're continuing in it together, and then you went to someone else who doesn't know that, and you you shared with them, and it, it illuminated this idea for them of, of what it's going to be. And like like that idea, he got big tears in his eyes. He was like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. 
And I was like, we sit around thinking we got to train people on paper yeah. to go out and talk about the gospel or talk about Jesus and what it is. And really all we need to actually do is make it true for ourselves on paper. Mm-hmm. If we did that, the gospel covers it. It covers all the witnessing programs because you can't help but just be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> you know, I'm struggling, I'm broken, whatever. And so I just think whether it's whether it's our citizenship, whether it's our, our government and politics, like I, mean, I, I don't. I don't want to proclaim something when I don't really know the people I'm proclaiming it about, whether it's an enemy or or whether it's a friend. Like, I want to actually understand a little better. There is a time to proclaim. I think we need to be responsible. John, just tell me how to vote. Um, Guys. Is there a guide that we put out as a church? Remember the churches do that? Voters guide. The Christian's voters guide. I struggle with that because I have some friends who are pastors who do help their church, like, acknowledge the the biblical issues that are involved in it. I just... I just think it's a it's a dangerous game to mix nationalism with with Christianity, and a lot of people again their their beliefs are so thinly held. I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying they yeah. they don't understand that no, we're not God's chosen people. Right, we're not like the United States of America is not God's chosen people. It's not in the Bible. It's not <laughs> it's not true. And re- like we're people of those of us who follow after Christ, and that God has chosen the world to experience grace. Uh, he chooses those and they respond. I'm not getting into Calvinism right now, Johnny. That's not my point. Of so this, when so. Moses wandered the desert, that was not in Utah. Is that what you're telling <laughs> I'm me? I'm telling you it wasn't happening there. <sighs> I'm so disappointed. I know. But that's that's almost like offensive to say, it, do, I, do I think God has blessed America? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think it's because we're America? No. Like, I don't think there's, I think it's, you know, I mean, you're one step away from saying it's because we're white or because we're from this, because we're English yeah. speaking or yeah. Like it's it's all one step yeah, it's away. It's imperialism. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah. we're not the first ones in history to think like that yeah. either. And it was always bad. It never led to good places. Like there's a humility to say, hey, you know, God's grace abounds towards all people. That yeah. God wanted to bless all nations through Jesus. That's Christ. kind of the best thing about mission trips is not just that like we bring the word to these godless people. It's that when you get on the ground, you see people serving God. Yeah, that are there on the ground there, and you see like these local churches that have you know, one one thousandth of the materials and, and supplies that you have and they're doing it with joy. That's the thing that it makes you feel like, wow, how are, how are they doing this? Yeah. And that's what opens your mind is when you see like, you're not the only one that loves God. Absolutely. And, and doing it in a totally different way. It's, it's pretty cool. Do you remember Pastor Julio? Oh, of course. In Panama. Yeah. You know, Pastor Julio is this guy and we're up there building the school and all this stuff. Pastor Julio had, had, had planted like something like 1500 churches personally. I mean, the dude was brilliant. Yeah. He's in danger all the time. You know, he ended up getting cancer and dying. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he's a guy that no one will ever know his name. We're going to say it here on this podcast. It's not like he's some, but I mean, he's an absolute right. disciple. Like uh, just someone Jesus used in a way that'll never be proclaimed on social media or whatever. Like, And he lived a very full and adventurous life traveling from city to jungle to Loving people, being unthreatened, and dealing in a, in a, a drug culture. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that are happening. Right. And so, no, I mean, he affected me. That I was his his missions trip. You know, I was the mission trip. Yeah. You know, for him. So that's cool, man. No, nah, you're right, man. You're right. Um, speaking of, by the way, you know that stone that holds the door open upstairs that yeah. we put up there. Uh-huh. That stone was from Panama, and I think Pastor Julio gave it to Andrew. I didn't ever know oh, that the I other day. There's like a Julio connection to that stone. So that Andrew put it in front of the door all the time. You never know with Andrew. There's going to be yeah. little keepsakes and things oh, all around. Right. You don't know their significance, but yeah. there's something. He's a big believer in all that, like, uh, you know, making like a memory of of things. 
Yeah. Like stacking the stones. Like that's an old Hebrew tradition, right? Like stack yeah. stones as, a, as an altar to things. Yeah, when they came to the Jordan, he told them to, to yeah. put 12 stones and yeah. as, a, as a remembrance to tell your children when you come back, hey, why are those stones there? Right. And you're supposed to tell them. So, And that's why, Johnny, I am asking <laughs> all of our listeners to send us $10 for a special talk about a that spe- stone. A special stone. That Straight from the Holy Land. If you buy 10, get two free, yeah. stack them. Yeah. Oh, I'll be on, they're Legos. I'll be they're- honest. They're Legos, <laughs> but it's worth every penny. We're going to pray over them. We will. Johnny will sweat <laughs> on the stones. We're going to put them in like a, like a, a, not a steam room, but a sauna. Yeah. Yeah. We'll heat them up. Right. Yeah. Sweat all over them. And then you can have a special Johnny W. sweat stone. Man, I don't oh even, gosh. I can't imagine that's going to have a lot of value, but. <laughs> it's not going to smell good. It'd be great if that was the thing that made us a big deal, wouldn't it? Like <laughs> we finally got, man, they found something that got hold. It was Johnny's sweat stones. <laughs> Johnny Sweatstones, wow. <laughs> Dot com. Oh, my gosh. Uh, man, it, it, hey, listen, I know I dove down that rabbit hole. No, there, John. History was, and look, just, people have already swerved their car into a guardrail, but it's yeah, fine. They're please. back now. Yeah. Hey, you know, this will air the day after Father's Day, so I hope everybody has a good Father's Day weekend. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. Mother's Day sermons. We talked about the Mother's Day. Yeah, I was about to say this. Mother's Day sermons are always like, what would we do without the mothers? Again, God couldn't be everywhere. Mothers are just angels with their feet touching the ground. I I can't imagine what we would do without the mother. Would you stand if you're a mother? On Father's Day, it's like, you men need to get it together (laughs) and be a man for your family. You're not leading. It's it's completely... Accusatory, it really is. <laughs> so I had a guy sit in my. He's in our small group, and I don't want to out him on that, but he may not want us to say that. But he told me, he goes, "I swear to you," and he, and he bothers him. Yeah, he goes every Father's Day sermon before. I was like, "Not here." I hope he's like, "No, not here." Since I moved here, but every every Father's Day, I walk away from him. Well, thank thank God I got him went to church today. I mean, yeah. all they did was tell me what a horrible person I am. Right. You know, and I was like, well, "You better step up. You men need to do better." Yeah, and that's that's what Jesus really wants. Everybody, just everybody to do, should do better. better. Yeah, yeah. There used to be a guy that would. Uh, I went to a church called Fellowship Church and uh, in Knoxville. And uh, there was a guy I preached a sermon there. He talked about how like Christianity, we're becoming the Avis because we just try harder. Like we just have as much, as much divorce, just as much sin, just but as much. Harder. But we try that's harder. So, so shouldn't that count for something? Because oh, that used to be their slogan. You know, I don't know if that's still Avis's slogan, but it's a terrible slogan even for a rental car company. Wow! <laughs> Look, we tried. Sorry about your car. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. I remember me, Dallas Willard said. Uh, he said, "What does it say of our culture when?" Literally, we have a song on television that we all sing that says, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Because <laughs> if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, that, well, you know the whole jingle probably, right? Remember I that song? Remember. The whole world would be in love with me or yeah. something like that? Yeah. He was like, we literally are like, cool. You know, yeah. well, that's all right to say. I wish I was a wiener. <laughs> then the whole world would really love me. It was such a funny, yeah. like, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he was a little tongue I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Would you? Remember that one? <laughs> that sounds like a logistical nightmare. Have you ever you've taught kids to sing? Oh my gosh! Can you imagine teaching the world to sing? How big is that pitch pipe? You know, what I'm that's saying? a lot of Ooh, people. Some dog. people just can't sing. No, they can't. They can't. I am one of them. I've learned. to But sing if you ever got it done, and then you had to buy all of them a Coke, why aren't they buying you a Coke? <laughs> no one buys me a Coke after I sing. No, 
And Coke's a terrible thing to drink before you sing anyway. Afterwards, you might be all right. That's true. You're Coke's like, man, zero? this lesson took way too long. Let's have a soda. You know, I used to not drink coffee on Sunday mornings, like up to last year. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I just have coffee. And you know what? Nothing's changed. I'm still just a Are mediocre. Are you more high energy? I'm still just a mediocre You're vocalist. But I feel better about my life when John. I have coffee. So. Bless your heart. I don't know. Uh, whoever taught me that as a coach. But that's probably for like real singers, you know. I mean, what am I? I'm leading worship with the, with other better singers. I just need to be able to play the instrument. You lean into what they do and Absolutely. you have your coffee. Drink your drugs. I did sing. I did lead a Shane and Shane worship song on Sunday morning in the original key. No. I went for it. How did you do it? Uh, a throat capo? Uh, I- <laughs> <laughs> I just decided, I don't know, I've been kind of, I think my, I, I sing a lot now, so I think my, my range has increased a little That's bit. That's good, okay. Some of it's just confidence, like the other worship leader, she's just like, or our worship director just is like, hey, do it, you could do it. And I do that to her too, I was like, hey, you can do it. So it's like, I can't challenge other people, wow. I'm not going to try it. So I actually think I hold my voice better at a higher note than a lower. If I'm lower, it kind of, I think I'm gravelly. Look out, Shane and Shane, here comes I'm telling you guys. Oh, I was, I was stretching, I was reaching, oh. Yeah. It wasn't good, but I did it in that you, key out of principle. Super pitchy, but oh, absolutely nobody cared. Yeah, could they might auto, have cared. Could auto tune it live in the moment. In other news, we may have less we've attendance lost, this week. We've right? lost some tithing families, but you know, Johnny. But I made a point. So isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> <laughs> we want you to make a point, listener, of sharing the podcast with somebody it's else the best out segue there. Segway at Johnny. Segway. Oh my goodness. Uh, we, uh, actually, somebody, somebody gave us a really, we should probably read this. Somebody gave us a really, really nice comment. Found it. Uh, somebody said, uh, all right, I have a long commute. I'm no longer going to listen to the radio. So recommend stuff to me, podcasts, etc." So then our buddy cartoonist Aaron, uh, said, talk about that is great casual conversations about life and faith with a lot of humor and grace. Feels like there's always something I needed to hear. Wow. That was so nice. It is nice. Appreciate that, Aaron. Honestly, it means a lot. And uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope that that person went and subscribed. So. Well, I tried to, you know, he lives in Wisconsin and I'm going there this weekend. I was like, you got to come to the show. Nice. I want to meet you. And, come to... and he was like, I'm three hours away. Wisconsin's big, John. It must be that. fairly big. He's what, on the, what he's city, Mana, Mana, you know, uh, I'm in, at, that I'm going. But where are we going for the marriage conference thing? Manitowoc? Manitowoc? Is that, what, is that, yeah. that correct? Yeah, Manitowoc. Yeah. I wonder if he's near there. I don't know. No. Okay. He's on the other side, way over. He's you know like, your Wisconsinite like geography, think. though. Yeah. Because you're up there a lot. Yeah, but I didn't know enough to be like, oh, you're three hours. It's like people that want to come to Tennessee, and right. they're like, hey, uh, they'll be like, I live in Nashville. They're like, do you ever go to Graceland? You're like, no, it doesn't no. work that way. Graceland's four hours from here. Yeah, it's a long way away. But I do the same with California. I'm like, we're going to California. I'm coming to California. I'll stop by. And they're like, I'm in Sacramento. Like, you're going to you be know, in San Diego. Do you know Bob Smith? <laughs> exactly. Like, no, I do not. <laughs> But leave a review, uh, tell people. Uh, it helps us, uh, the whole algorithm, uh, if you uh, share it. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we thank so much. Yeah, yeah. And we'll look forward to uh, talking about more important stuff and fun stuff next time. We'll talk about that. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth 
unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.